welcome to another episode of A Candid Conversation with Adam Lopez. I am your host, Adam, and today I am very privileged, very honored, and humbled to have a special man, uh, a man of God. I want to officially welcome and introduce uh, Bishop David Bernard to the program. Welcome, Bishop Bernard. Thank you. It's a privilege to be on the program. God bless you. Thank you so much. And I know there's Bishop Bernard, Dr. Bernard. There's a lot of different titles we can give you, but at the end, I say man of God because you are the general superintendent of the UPC International, United Pentecostal Church International, which encompasses globally a lot of churches, a lot of leaders, a lot of pastors, many congregations, many communities. But before we go into details, uh, Bishop Bernard, I want to ask you, we have experienced something that has never been experienced before from us, from our uh, from our families which is a pandemic, which is a crisis. Yes. How are you doing? How, how are you and your family doing? Uh, my family and I are doing well. God has blessed us. Um, thankfully, none of us have, has gotten COVID. Uh, we tried to use reasonable precautions, but even people who've done their best sometimes have gotten it. So I'm just thanking God and we're moving forward and trying to keep people encouraged and excited and, uh, I've been traveling uh, ever since uh, back in the middle of May when we were allowed to start traveling. I've been traveling every week, practically, yeah. preaching in a different church every week. And, and uh, uh, people are struggling, but I would say overall, uh, God is blessing and we're moving forward. Well, that is great to hear uh, because you very well know that many families have been affected by this pandemic many have yeah. lost their lives so to hear that you're well your family's well well we have to be very thankful and thank god for that so uh, glad to hear that now in regards to the health of the church there's, there's a lot of conversation that can be brought around the whole concept of where has this church been through this pandemic but i want to ask you personally because as you very well know i belong to an organization under bishop fortino um and you with the UPC International, we're talking about a mass bigger group of churches, of congregants, of members, uh, of pastors. And I want to ask you, in your point of view, because obviously you over oversee the entire organization, how is the health uh, of the church? Yes. Well, speaking more particularly from uh, the UPCI standpoint, I would have to say overall that health is good. So our constituents, our churches, our ministers, our finances, all of that has seen uh, increases to new records during this year. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm thankful for the big picture. Of course, there are areas where we've had significant losses. Some churches have been severely hit by COVID. Yeah. Uh, some are struggling, but we've tried to mitigate that as much as possible because we have a strong missions program. So we've actually helped our global missionaries, our North American missionaries, our, uh, we have Metro missionaries, we have full-time evangelists, all of those we've tried to help um, financially to weather yeah. the crisis. And so some are doing well because we've been able to help them. Uh, but there are some who are struggling and are as much as possible, the neighboring churches or, or our district organization, which would be like our state organization, they've tried to reach uh, in the grassroots in ways that we can't necessarily do from headquarters. So I don't want to minimize the real psychological, emotional, uh, and even physical pain that many people have gone through. But I, to be honest, not just um, 
trying to be optimistic, but to be honest, God is blessing us and we're very thankful for that. That is great to hear, uh, Bishop Bernard. And, and you, you touched a point that's very important that I want to discuss next, which is the mental health uh, of um, the struggles that individuals and particularly pastors and leaders have faced for the reason that some of these pastors and men of God, this is their livelihood. They live for the congregations, they live for their churches. And now to have that taken away and have to, you know, navigate waters of virtual and Zoom and online, and they don't have that one-on-one personal connection anymore, it has to psychologically, mentally have some type of negative effect on that leader who that's all he's known for the last 20, 30 years. Have you seen anything where you, you can say, you know, we, we should, we need to help mentally, physically counseling anything to pastors. What are your thoughts on that? Yes, definitely. We need to come alongside and help. And so I, first of all, talked about financially. So we've tried to come to our most vulnerable congregations, our missions, churches, our evangelists, Um, and even small churches that may be in existence for years, but are really suffering. So we've tried to come alongside financially, but in addition to finances, there needs to be friendship and fellowship. And I am hearing right. of pastors reaching out to one another, especially those they know who are struggling. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do want to say uh, from the UPCI uh, perspective, we have two endorsed organizations now, one of which is just for UPCI, but the other, which could be benefit all apostolics. So we have, um, they're, they're separate uh, organizations with their own board, but they're endorsed by us. So our people can know about them and use them and support them. One is called po- Points of Refuge. And this is where we provide free confidential counseling to UPCI credential ministers and their families. I do think it's important for every organization to try to do that. Sometimes mm-hmm. there's a stigma attached with people even admitting that they have mental health needs or they're afraid that uh, people in leadership will find out and they will be disqualified or something will happen to their ministry and so points of refuge while they give a report to me and to our general board we don't know who they're who's being contacted what they're saying even if they admit to some terrible sin it's forbidden for the counselor to talk to us in organizationally about that. But then there's another endorsed organization called the Center for Apostolic Counseling. And that is a network of professional credential licensed counselors who are apostolic. It is not limited to UPCI, but other apostolic counselors can be part of that. And if you go on their website, they do have some preliminary free resources, some short videos uh, that I asked them to prepare specifically for this time of pandemic yeah. so that pastors and youth workers could uh, be reassured to know what to do yeah. and get their help themselves. Of course, if someone needs more extensive counseling, then what they do is they need to sign up, connect, and then there will be maybe a fee, but it could be discounted and it can be done remotely. Although ideally you'd like to find a counselor in your area, but in this situation, sometimes it's difficult or impossible. And if you want specifically an apostolic counselor, there may not be someone in the area, but this is a network to try to connect you. So that does provide a service. Uh, It could be for any apostolic person, but specifically for ministers, we are trying to provide professional counseling assistance and referrals from an apostolic perspective. So I think the message is, of course, First and foremost, we rely upon the power of God, 
uh, healing, deliverance, miracles, faith. Second, we rely on the church. And so I would urge each pastor reach out and each minister reach out of your comfort zone, check on your ministerial friends, mm. check on people who are nearby, small churches, struggling churches. Don't assume that everything is just fine. Um, we're not going to assume there's anything wrong with them, but just being a friend, this, this whole pandemic shows us the need for true fellowship. It shows us the value of an organization. You know, a lot of people yep. are, are independent, which that's their prerogative. But I thank, I'm thankful that there's an organization because it mobilizes not only financial support, but, but fellowship in a structured Correct. way. Um, yeah. But having said all that, the third component is sometimes people need professional counseling. Mm. That doesn't mean there's something wrong with you in the sense of you're a bad person or an unspiritual yeah. person, yeah. but there are certain people who are trained to help us. And so we struggle with these feelings. And we talk to our friends and they're struggling and maybe they're doing okay, but they don't know what to tell us. Well, there is a role for someone who's been professionally trained. And we're not talking about Freudian psychology. We're not talking about secular atheistic theories, but we're talking about Holy Ghost filled professionals Yep. who have gone through a structured program and they still believe in prayer, healing, miracles, but they know how to talk to people and they know how to help people walk through situations. So this is this situation is unique for us, mm. but for a professional counselor, while the pandemic may be different, they deal with people going through various crises or traumas as part of their ministry and part of their profession. So they're equipped in a way that many of us aren't. And mm -hmm. so I do believe that if you find yourself not being able to overcome or get past certain things, there is a role for, for the professional mm -hmm. Christian apostolic counselor. While we're speaking with Bishop Dr. David Bernard from the United Pentecostal Church International, Bishop Bernard, I never even thought about that approach where if you have a job, if you have an organization, there's always a helpline. There's a suicide line. Yes. There's a confidential line. I never thought about, hey, having church organizations have this counseling line. And, and it's of extreme importance because I'm a firm believer that during this time, you need to have that available for your pastors, your leaders, even for your, your members. So thank you so much for sharing that information, which I'm sure a lot of pastors who are going to see and listen to this podcast are going to have see value in what you just touched. And I think it's very important. So I want to thank you so much for sharing that point. Now, shifting a little bit about the church. So the this entire pandemic, we have different states, you have different counties, you have different governors. Everybody, every governor wanted to dictate according to what the state was saying in their territory. Do you personally feel, uh, Bishop Bernard, that the church was attacked or singled out? I mean, it's just a a question that I want yes. to ask you. Um, and my answer is yes, in some cases, in some places. Uh, and, and let me elaborate. When all this first happened, my advice was we want to follow reasonable regulations. So if the church has to adjust for the health and safety of the community, as well as the members, because we have to realize, okay, we can believe in divine protection, divine healing, but we're trying to minister to a community. So if the city feels like we're being uh, irresponsible and, and uh, high risk, well, then what does that do to our witness? And what does that do to our, to, to our visitors and, and various people? So my first approach was to say, 
And, and if you recall, at first they were saying, let's do this for two weeks to flatten the curve, or let's do this for one month. And so in that context, of course, whatever we can do as good citizens, we, we are law-abiding citizens. Uh, Romans 13 tells us to, to abide by the government. Now, it doesn't talk about when the government does wrong, but it's talking about the general case when the government yep. is trying to protect you. Obviously, you should be a good citizen. So the idea was, let's take reasonable precautions and follow reasonable regulations for the sake of health and safety of not only ourselves, but our whole community and our Christian witness. So there's kind of a middle ground where we're going to still maintain our Christian identity and worship, but we'll find ways to do it uh, to meet the needs. But how, as this prolonged, however, you know, many government officials didn't really know what they were talking about, didn't have good plans. Some who are very strict Actually, the crisis is worse there than other places that, that were not strict. So, so the experts didn't really know nearly as much as they claimed to know. Correct. So here's what I think happened. In many jurisdictions, first of all, there was just lack of understanding. So people who are not believers, they don't go to church. Their family go, doesn't go to the church. They don't see the value of church. They just think of the church as a social club. So it wasn't that they were mm. targeting churches, just that churches were very low on their list. They didn't really see what's the big deal. It's a cultural event. So, so should we cancel a cultural event for the, for safety? Of course. Yeah. So we'll keep the grocery store open, but, but cultural events can wait. Yeah. And, and so that was just ignorance or secularism. Then I do think there is an element of certain extremely liberal people who actively hate the church and they see the church as conservative and against their agenda. And yes. so if there's an opportunity to hurt the church, I do believe there's a certain percentage of people that took advantage of that and say, hey, if we can hurt the church's mission, that's going to be good for our agenda. So there's a spectrum of well-meaning yeah. uh, officials who try to do what's best. And then there's a second group of people out of ignorance, they hurt the church. They, they discriminate against the church because they Correct. don't understand the, the significance of the church and they don't understand the U.S. law and the First Amendment. Uh, and then there's a third group that I think targeted the church. You know, uh, and I think we have the same feeling here, uh, you know, and, and not to elaborate too much, but my, this is a good segue to this next question. And, and I heard it a lot from many different individuals. You, you and I have a, a lot of the same connections, you know, with different evangelists and reverence and our assembly. But one of the comments that I heard a lot in the past months was, you know, the church could have done more. Some pastors could have stood up for their rights and their religious beliefs, and some pastors cowered out, and some pastors just closed the churches. Uh, do you really, do you think that the church could have done more during the situation? Well, in retrospect, you know, it's easy to second guess. I would say overall, at least from my perspective, for, you know, mostly knowing about UPCI, I would say for the most part, we struck the right balance. You know, mm. early on, I'll give you a couple examples. Early on, there was one of our churches that uh, they were still allowing in that area, uh, I think, uh, 250 people to meet. And this church had about 50 or 60. They had a revival uh and that, that meeting caused about 60 people to get infected, and about a dozen people died, including the evangelist, one of our leading evangelists. So that got into the newspaper. This church caused the pandemic. Well, at that particular time, the church was abiding by every rule that the, their government said. Yeah. But 
in retrospect, they should have been stricter than what the government said, but who knew? Yeah. Nobody knew. So yeah. the newspaper jumped on that and just attacked them. And we had another church, the same mm. kind of situation. So in looking at that, if we had as a whole deliberately flouted all the rules, there could have been, you know, a dozen or a hundred cases. And yeah. we could have been in severe jeopardy, not only with loss of life, but a terrible reputation in the community. So I think when we started, we were trying to strike the balance that I said earlier. Now, as time went on, it seems like the governments were not following the best scientific evidence, but following yeah. whatever their plan was. Well, yeah. yes, you could say, well, some should have protested. Some did. But most of the time, what our churches did, they talked to people in their local communities to work something out. So it didn't make the headlines because we weren't rebellious. We weren't obnoxious. We weren't, you know, getting in front of microphones and attacking officials. But yeah. we went to local officials and they would tell us, you know what, we're not enforcing that. We're not sending police by your church. Uh, or we don't agree with what they did in the state capitol. So you know what, we're, we're just going to focus on the big yeah. needs and we're not, you know, and so there was a reasonable combination. Now you may know, but California, of course, is, is, has been one of the strictest. And so yeah. we did have a church in Southern California, San Diego, Chula Vista, uh, Bishop Art Hodges, and they did follow a lawsuit. So, so his plan was we're going to follow all the rules but we're going to protest at the same time mm, uh, okay. because he said, you're discriminating. They, they have a large sanctuary. And so they started following the rules. Um, they ma started masking. Uh, they started, um, you know, a big sanctuary, but they would limit the number of people and they would have multiple services. So yeah. he would say, you know, we're following all the latest medical advice, all the reasonable governmental advice, but we are filing suit because we think you're discriminated against churches and you're allowing yeah. other entities to do things that you're not allowing churches to do. Now, I do think that was his attitude. And actually, they won there in, in large part. They yeah. just a few days ago won a 6-3 decision at the U.S. Supreme Court saying mm. that they could have services. So to me, while that was a longer, slower, less confrontational process, I think it was a better witness to the community. Correct. And I will say that when the regulations got so unreasonable and then they wouldn't relax them when they were ought to relax them, I think they did fudge a little bit in this sense. For example, they were allowing Hollywood movie productions to go mm -hmm. full speed ahead. Yeah. And you may recall there was even, a, they ban outdoor restaurants. So here's a restaurant that had to shut down their outdoor space where right a few hundred yards away, there was a movie production that had tables with hundreds of people eating lunch outdoors. They were allowed to do that because they're a movie company. The restaurant was not allowed to do the same thing. Well, that was a clear violation. So in that, Bishop Hodges kind of jokingly put, and I think he probably filed it, he says, come to such and such church on on Sunday morning for a production of a reality show, let's have church. <laughs> and so his point was, well, the law forbids us from having church, but the law allows us to have a reality show that we can video. So we're just going to do a reality show and video. <laughs> so obviously he wasn't maybe technically complying with the law, but I think that's, yeah. you know, I think that's an example of, okay, we're going to follow reasonable yeah. restrictions, but when yeah. it's unreasonable, both as to science and to discrimination, we yeah. reserve the right to exercise our first amendment freedom of religion. 
So yeah. could we have done some things better? Possibly. But I think overall, most churches just did try to work in their own community to come yeah. up with reasonable solutions. Which is great. And I appreciate those examples. And I do recall this, these scenarios in San Diego. So, you know, and now we're getting to the end of, of this uh, interview, which is great content, by the way. We're speaking with Bishop David Bernard of the UPCI. You know, Bishop Bernard, one of the things that that we did in our church was even though we were trying to adapt and transition and navigate through all these restrictions and regulations, we still made sure that our church was there for the community. We still had food banks. We distributed food, clothes, toys, whatever we needed resources, because that was still important because even though the church wasn't functioning hundred percent indoors worship in like we're normal, we're used to, the community at large still had a need and they still have a need at this time. So what is your take as far as, did you encourage your churches? Did, did you advocate for that? Like churches, we got to still continue to support our church, our, our communities around our churches. Yes. And, and, and so what I tried to say is, look, okay, maybe we can't have the big crowds that we love, that we need, yeah. that we feel is biblical, but that doesn't mean we stop having church. Correct. I mean, the first century, uh, they had to have most of their meetings in, in homes around mm -hmm. the world today. We have churches in communist countries, Muslim countries. We cannot operate openly. So just because you can't do everything doesn't mean you can't do anything and you can't, yeah. uh, and you have to stop being the church. There's more than one way to be church. So I said a multi-pronged approach. Yes. Online ministry. Yes. Reach out into the community. Um, do one-on-one -on -one, house, uh, home devotions, uh, small groups, home Bible studies. And, and I'll give you another example. You, you mentioned uh, community outreach, which, which we did do. And especially like uh, during all this in Louisiana, there were two severe hurricanes. Well, our churches were at the forefront of uh, distribution centers and, and supplying needs and, and helping families. But another example that we did was outdoor uh, parking lot um, prayer meetings. So they would advertise mm. to the church, to the community, drive by prayer. So we'll have a team, you drive by our church in your car. You don't even have to roll down the window if you don't want, but we'll pray with you. And many people in the community responded wow. yeah. because you know, here's the church trying to minister to the community. So yes, I think, and then of course, not to mention online services. Yeah. Uh, so yes, we did try to say, be creative, find ways to reach your community. Even though you're restricted in one way, God yeah. will open another door. That's amazing. And if you see me writing, I'm writing down these, these ideas because it's important they, they work in our community uh, needs itself. We're, we're last uh, to the last uh, segment of this of this interview. Uh, we want to thank Bishop Bernard for for being on this program with excellent of uh, value content information, ideas, recommendations that a lot of, a lot of churches and organizations can really probably uh, follow this model uh, that's going to help many organizations that we still try to navigate uh, through this pandemic. So I want to briefly uh, discuss with you, Bishop Bernard, because I know your time is valuable. We're, we're at the end of this year. You and I uh, were part of a special group that were invited uh, to Texas to visit the detention centers. I believe it was McAllen. Uh, and yeah. also we went to, to the border. It was yourself, uh, other evangelists, Tony Suarez, uh, Pastor Ken Gurley and, and others. You know, and when, when I went to that place, in my mind, I had the picture of what the mainstream news media have painted to me. I had in my mind the notion uh, of uh, 
mistreatment, of beating, of abuse, of neglect. It was just horrible. Uh, and I'm not sure about your experience, but I saw all the opposite of when I was there. Uh, and we're not, and I'm not bringing this up so we can minimize or criticize, you know, government or leaders. It's more of my personal experience. And I wanted to ask you, you know, and and I saw your video and your follow-up that you did on Facebook after that visit. But I want to ask you, was, did you have that same experience where like it was nothing like they explained it to us? I would say I wasn't, didn't really know what to expect. I was a little more skeptical of the media, but I didn't really know what the truth would be. Um, and let me preface by saying, I personally feel like we need a rational immigration policy that helps needy people and helps separated families, but also takes into account what our nation needs and what, what is best. So to me, this is a nonpartisan thing. So I, I don't agree with some of the things on either side of the Democrat-Republican divide. I right. wish there could be a rational, nonpartisan discussion of what is in the best interest of America as a nation and the people who are already here. Yeah. And let's, let's have an orderly plan and, and we need immigration, but right. it needs to be rational, orderly, and it doesn't need to be a magnet attracting a bunch of people who are going to have a hard time at, at whatever level. So that's just my general background. But having Correct. said that, um, I did find uh, that the border personnel and the facilities were much more accommodating and humane than what they had been portrayed. Correct. I think that, uh, you know, without, without discussing too many details, I, I just feel that we probably have the same feeling. And one of the things, lesson that I learned, Bishop Bernard, was, you know, we have to be very careful and we have to be able to discern as Christians what we, what we hear on news, what, what's infiltrated through social media. We have to be very careful what we choose to allow to penetrate our minds and our hearts because most of it is not true or most of it is misleading. It's exaggerating. Most, most of it is lies. Uh, so that's a lesson that I took that do we have to be very skeptical, uh, that yep. we have to be more open you know, uh, that's my thing. And, and I would just say, you know, what impressed me the most was probably talking to the people who lived in the border area and talking yeah. to the actual workers, which, by the way, was what, probably 85% Hispanic, because that's the Correct. population there. Correct. And we're not talking about recent immigrants. We're talking yeah. about people who, in some cases, were their families were there before there was the United States. So these Correct. are people who love our country, but they also love the immigrants. And, and they spoke yeah. with great compassion for the immigrants. Yeah. But then they would say, but we're doing our best. We've been through a crisis. We've been overwhelmed. Yeah. We've had poor policies. Yeah. We understand where these people are coming from, but there has to be ways to process them. So I got yeah. a great sense of, no, these people are not just hateful and trying to hurt people and trying to, they're trying to help people, but with yeah. rational means. And, yeah. and so I, I the, probably the biggest lesson I took was we need to listen to the people who are actually on the ground, who are actually working in these places, and who yeah. live in these places. And yeah. that gives us a better perspective than just someone flying in from New York City. Yeah. So, yeah, and, and I agree with you 100%. So um, I want to thank you, Bishop Bernard, for being on this program. It's been a pleasure to, to listen to your point of view, uh, to listen to your heart, to hear your ideas, your recommendations. Um, do you have any last words of advice for that leader, that pastor, that bishop who is just struggling to get through these difficult times? 
Well, I would say it, it, it's a, a simple thing, but we really have to trust in God. And yeah. so we have to go back to prayer, one-on-one -on -one ministry, connecting with people one-on-one -on -one, uh, and get through this. But I would say this to encourage you. In 2 Chronicles 30, it talks about a remnant of Judah that was going to come back from captivity. It said they would put their roots downward and their branches would go upward. So even though this is an uncomfortable time, none of us wanted this or expected this. It didn't take God by surprise. He knew what was happening. I see this opportunity for our roots to grow deeper in prayer, in, in appreciating why we have an organization, in appreciating our fellow ministers, in appreciating the individuals. You know, we might be used to a large congregation, but we have to respect each home is important. Each individual is important. And so what's happening is it's forcing us to put our roots deeper. And so the good news is as we recover from this we're not just getting back to where we were. We're not just maintaining, but God will use this for us to expand. And our root, our roots are deeper, so our branches can go further. And as mm. with Joseph and Genesis, our branches can go over the walls, over the barriers, and there'll wow. be fruit to the backsliders, to the lost, to the community. Mm. So I'm believing that God's going to use this as we come out of this to actually advance us further than we've ever been. So let's look with faith and confidence in the future because God has a plan and uh, we can get through this and we can have victory. There you have it. We've been listening to words of encouragement from Bishop David Bernard. If anybody watching or listening to this podcast wants to get a, a hold of the organization or, or just look at what they're doing, the great things they're doing, you can visit their website, www.upci.org. And it's going to be there on your screen one more time, www.upci.org. You can go in there and look at all the great things they're doing, the locations, and get in contact with an administrator. Uh, Bishop Bernard, we want to thank you for your time. It, it's been a privilege, an honor to have you on this program. And again, you've been watching another episode of A Candid Conversation with Adam Lopez. I'm your host, Adam. Thank you so much for your support. Until next time. Hello, friends. This is Adam Lopez from A Candid Conversation with Adam Lopez. I want to thank you so much for watching my videos and watching every episode, every segment. Please, please subscribe to my YouTube channel. Continue sharing the content. You know what? We have many, many great interviews coming up. A lot of valuable content, a lot of valuable information, educational as well. So I want to thank you so much for your support and continue watching my videos.